Hey, folks in London, Stockholm, Oslo, Amsterdam, Dublin, and Pasadena, I'm coming to see you. For one of those places, I don't have to go very far, but for the other five, it's a big trip, and I don't get out there often, so come see me. Go to WTFPod.com and click on the tour page to get dates, venue, and ticket information for my A Few Parts of the World tour. That's the tour page at WTFPod.com. All right? Pasadena, you hear me? You could probably hear me if I just yell out my window. All right, let's do the show. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Adelics? How's it going? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. Uh, happy. Happy Monday to you. It's been quite a uh, rough ride for the country over the last few days. A lot of pain and chaos and uh, horror. Uh, you know, hopefully, I, I don't. Here, here's the deal. I, I'm recording this a bit early because um, because somebody somebody needs to take a break. Not me. I'm just going to plow ahead. Uh, but uh, my uh, business partner and producer Brendan McDonald will be on vacation. And we wanted to get these in the can. So if I'm taping this before the weekend, so if anything happens over the weekend, if there's a, you know, if, 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 uh, Washington DC is consumed in flames or, uh, if, uh, if California falls off of the, uh, the map, yeah, into the ocean, if it, whatever happens, if I'm not talking about it, it's because it, it hadn't happened yet, and I can only hope that none of that happens. Today on the show, I talked to Heather Graham, and uh, and that was uh, interesting. I Who doesn't love Heather Graham from Drugstore Cowboy, right? She, don't put the hat on the bed, man. Don't put the hat on the bed. Boogie Nights, Six Degrees of Separation, that she was in the hangover recently TV shows. I, it was nice to talk to her. It was nice to see her. She has a new movie out that she wrote and directed. It's called Half Magic. Uh, she started it as well. It'll be in theaters and, uh, VOD and digital HD this Friday, February 23rd. I talked to her and then in a few minutes, uh, I'm going to have Sebastian Maniscalco come out here. Who, uh, what do you mean come out here? Like I'm on stage. I talked to Sebastian. Because he, you know, he's got a book coming out, and I love Sebastian. He's a comic. I see him. I saw him uh, the other night at the comedy store. Worked hard, got to to get to where he is, and he's a unique, a unique stage being. That Sebastian, unique and funny. So uh, I always like people come back. They stop by. They got something they want to talk about, something they want to plug. If they've been on the show before, if they're a friend of mine, have them on. Right? Have them on. Mix it up, and now it's good. Because, uh, like I said, we're, we're getting these in the can a little early. It's nice to have a nice full show. I'm not, I'm not leaning on that. I'll read an email or two. I, I can give you some updates about things. Uh, how are the cats enjoying the new house? They're, they're fine. Uh, that Buster Kitten is a crazy motherfucker. He figured out how to remove the toilet paper roll from the toilet paper rod and, uh, run around the house with it, you know, b- basically papering the house 
and destroying it, shredding it. So uh, he's learning new things. He might be he might be part monkey because he you know he's just always lacking as a thumb, but he seems to be able to figure shit out and move stuff around. He's an odd cat. I've never had a cat that likes to be roughed up like this cat. And I'm not being abusive. It's just that when you pull a wild cat out of the wild, and uh, because they showed up on your deck on your porch. You don't know how they're going to turn out or what they're going to be. I trapped the old cats. The old guys are okay, but they're still a little, they're still skittish and they're weird. You can't hold them. Is that my fault? Maybe it is my fault because I didn't, I didn't try to do it when they were younger because they were out of their fucking minds. But Buster was young enough and a little tame enough. So I was able to hold him, but he doesn't seem to like to be pet. He doesn't know how to approach people, uh, or me specifically for affection. And then uh, when he, when you do get him to take it, he likes to be scratched almost like a dog. Like, you know, you get, scratch him hard on the stomach, on the back, on the head, and then he purrs and he gets into it. It's almost like you have to you know, show such intense, aggressive affection for him to just settle down and take it. And you know what that makes that cat? A lot like me. See, I I never believed that shit. I thought you got these cats and they were genetically wired a certain way, and I know you have an Im, an influence on them. But all my cats have elements of me. Uh, it, they the three represent me at different uh, at different emotional places and physical uh, reactions. Support for today's show comes from IRL, an original podcast from Mozilla, the not-for-profit behind the Firefox web browser. The Internet is part of nearly every aspect of our lives. We spend up to 10 hours a day in front of our screens. We walk, talk, work, LOL, and even love on the Internet. Now it's even playing a dramatic role in reshaping culture from the 2016 election to the rise of new civil rights movements. But for some reason, we don't always treat what happens online like real life. Host Veronica Bell explores this disconnect with real stories about life online. This season of IRL covers everything from fake news and phones you unlock with your face to bot-influenced elections, doggo memes, and the deep web. The issues changing the internet are the issues changing the world. Now more than ever, we need to be informed. So go check out IRL because online life is real life. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for IRL. So Sebastian Menescalco is here, and uh, his new book, Stay Hungry, comes out on February 27th. You can pre-order it now. If you want to hear the full conversation I did with Sebastian back on episode 304, you can hear that on Stitcher Premium and on Howl. This is me and Sebastian. How long? I mean, it's been a long time since I talked to you in here. Yeah, you it's know? been uh, six years ago I was here. So, like, because that's what's wild about it is that you didn't have nothing go. You, you was like, <laughs> how'd I get on the show back? I liked you. <laughs> that was I just I was interviewing comics, you know, guys from the store and stuff. Oh man! But the reason I think I interviewed you is interesting was because I didn't really know you, and the first time, like, you know, it, it, you know, I'd see you at the store occasionally, but then I saw you working over at that hotel. Servant, like you were uh, waiting tables? Yeah, yeah, Four Seasons. At yeah. the Four Seasons, because I had a meeting over there, and I was like, that's a dude. Yeah. He's fucking working his ass off. And, you know, this is like the shitty day gig. Yeah. And now, like, you know, you're one of the biggest comics in the country selling out everywhere, and you got a book about how to make it. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's credible. That's what I'm saying. They're like, I can track it. When I first had Gian... <laughs> You didn't have much going on, and I saw you working, waiting tables at a hotel, well, and uh, and now there's a book 
There's a book, Stay Hungry. Stay Hungry, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's been my moniker the whole time I've been out here. Just stay hungry for more. Right, but it's just sort of interesting that, you know, you just, you always kind of just did your own thing, right? I mean, it's, because I remember seeing you, and like, I could tell, like, you know, who your influences were and, like, you know, where you were coming from. But, you know, then it just got stronger and stronger. The edge got more. And then you weren't like other people. You, you know, it, it just like I saw a lot of the evolution. And uh, and, and then it just caught on. How, when did you start to see the uptick? Uh, I saw the uptick when I did a uh, special called What's Wrong With People. And I put a little small part in there about um, being Italian and going to Italian weddings. And yeah. I was really cautious of whether to leave that in there or not because I wasn't I didn't know if anybody was going to get it. It yeah. was very specific to the Italian community. Right. But I noticed that a lot of people um uh, connected with that and and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Uh people are gravitating towards my humor in a way where it's uh they're relating to family. Yeah. Not no not necessarily uh broad observational type humor. Right. Like I went to Ross Dress for Less or I went to yeah. Chipotle. Yeah. Uh they're relating to my father, my upbringing, uh-huh. the culture. Uh-huh. And I'm like, why don't I just talk about my upbringing and and how nuts my father for the next was. special. Yeah, and I, I I put a lot of family stuff in there, in which the second, I think in the second special. Uh, in the third special, aren't you embarrassed? I, I started talking about my dad a little bit more, uh-huh. and I noticed that I was having more fun on stage doing that, and it was very personal to me. Sure, so it was more, real. Yeah, the more personal I got, although it's not like I wasn't personal before. It was just more like, hey, guys, you ever go to that? That that? Yeah, yeah. This was more like, uh, you know, I went home and my father, and right? I, da, 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 da. And then it started getting more like, um enjoyable to to do stand-up for me. Not that I wasn't enjoying it before, but it was just like, uh, what else does my father do? What, what else could I go back and like uh, talk about upbringing, even the, grandparents, mother? Right, right. The writing's different because you're not just sitting there, you know, wherever you write, looking at people walking by like, oh, shoes are funny. Yeah. You know, you, you can go back and, yeah. you know, you have an emotional connection to it. Yeah. Is it's he a, still alive? Yeah. I'm still alive, and there's still material to be mined there. <laughs> and it's so. not going to stop for a while. God willing, it doesn't stop for a while. How's he? How's he take it? Because you know, usually my stuff that I do about my dad is never. I never really put him in a great light. So I hope that your relationship with your dad is better. Because my dad gets he gets mad at me uh, sometimes when I talk about him. Uh, my father is. God, you know, he loves being in the, in the, in the show. <laughs> right. And, uh, but, of course. He, but he's always concerned about me writing new material, about me, uh, not resting on my success. You always have to. He's pushing you? Yeah. There's always that voice in the back of my head going, you know, don't give these people new material, you know, cause sure. a lot of comics kind of get into that rut of, uh, doing the same stuff sure. over and over. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you know, as well as I do that, you know, it's, it's difficult to come up with those new bits and, and hey, I'm in it right now. <laughs> like I just, I dumped a special lesson a year ago and I got to go do some dates and I'm like, fuck, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like right now I'm sitting on about 25 new minutes, I think. And, uh, you know, I got about a half hour somewhere that I didn't use in the special. I got to go find that. You know, so so do you do completely abandon special material? I mean, it just you, happens naturally. It's yeah. weird because I I could have toured on it a little more, I think, and it was really a good one. I mean, that last one, too real for on Netflix, was my best work. But I've been doing a special every year, pretty much. I did one for Epics and then one uh, for Netflix before that, 
and then I had one other one, then a half hour one. So I like and and see you know and CDs too or whatever. But then people don't listen. That sh- that stuff shows up on Sirius. But you know you got be- you got better odds. You're doing material that you did on old CDs. If you want to do that, then you do with specials because everyone watches the specials. Yeah, yeah. But no one listens to fucking CDs. Really. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it just happens naturally. I get it, it's like after the special airs, and my my brain just is like kind of done with it. I don't even know how it goes together anymore. And I was working the fuck out of it. Why? How about you? Uh, I'll I'll pop in a few other bits from a special that uh, right. I like to, oh, to in the do. new one. Uh, yeah, like if I if a special airs, I can't completely abandon that material in that special. I'll pepper it in because of you, or because you just don't have the new time yet. Uh, because like you like doing them, or you like you just didn't you know you're waiting for the new shit, waiting for the new shit to develop. Yeah, so I gotta I gotta use right. some older stuff. Yeah, and they don't mind. Um, I you don't know. <laughs> I think they're okay with it. I I I don't want to go to a city. Right? This yeah. is my biggest fear as a comedian. I don't want to do Chicago. Right. And then come back in a year. Yeah. And people spend hard-earned money. And right. And they go, <laughs> same. same thing as before. Yeah. That's no, my no, biggest you, fear as a comedian. You can't do it. You can't do it now. Like, back, you, you can't, you know, because that, that it's my fear, too. You don't want to get off stage and they're like, yeah, I heard that one. It's like, <laughs> the fuck? What about the other? <laughs> I mean, that's really what you're saying. So, so even you, even if you you're putting in a few bits, you're gonna run into the possibility of one douchebag, yeah, going like, "Boy, you couldn't couldn't write the whole new hour, huh?" <laughs> and and if you're like me, if you're like I think most comedians, that's all you're gonna hear. That's all that's gonna be in your head. Yeah. No matter how good the show went, no matter how many people said, "I love seeing that bit. I saw it on TV, but I like seeing it in person." You're like that motherfucker. Yeah, the one guy. Yeah, caught. the one guy. <laughs> it's the worst. No, but you can't, like, I think back in the day, you know, they, it wasn't as, uh, you know, everyone didn't see everything so immediately, you, you know, like, yeah. and the guy who tours on the same hour for a decade, just, they can't exist anymore, yeah. but they did for years, kind of, but well, people get tired of it. Well, uh, you've been doing this longer than yeah. I have, right? So were you able to get away with that, say, when you first started, uh, you know, going to St. Louis and... Well, here's the thing with me is that no one knew who the fuck I was. So, like, any time I thought people knew my shit, like, it, I get to, it got to a point where I'm like, what people am I talking about? Do you, you know what I mean? It's like I wasn't selling tickets. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I go into a place and I didn't have a, you know, I didn't build my career properly, I would, you know, I never stayed on the road long enough because I'd alienate people and I'd go do a, you know, a TV thing or whatever. But it wasn't until, you know, a couple of years into this that I started to pull people. But I always thought that everyone knew my shit. And they just don't. And, but now they do because they can, you know, Netflix is fucking everywhere. Yeah. You, you know, it's like, it's going to be, you go to a show, like I'm going to go do five shows in Europe. It's going to be like, I would say that probably 75, 80% of every room that I play to will have seen my last special. Why wouldn't they have? Yeah. But don't you think people are in the room that maybe never seen you before? Like a, they're bringing people. I know, but that one guy. That one guy, Sebastian. <laughs> Is that why we're doing this? For the one guy? To, to please the one guy. And it's us. And we can never quite do it. Oh, God. You make up these people in your head, right? The, oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. I'm, like, even when I'm on stage going, yeah. man, like, I didn't get a good reaction on that. Has everybody heard that? You know? like I, it, <laughs> Right, right. See, that's the, that is, that's the only problem with doing the old bits. Is that. 
And and that's what I'm up against too, because they probably it's probably not the reason, but just by nature, you're already thinking that going in. Yeah. You know that this bit is, you know, you know the bit was on TV. So there's party that's going like, all right, uh, you probably most of you probably seen this, but <laughs> but you're saying that's the undertone that you have. I think so. So you cannot commit to an old bit like it's the first time you're saying it because you're in your head thinking just a, a, a bit that's been on TV already. You're, what do you? Can you? Uh, I, I I have done it that way, yeah. and I have done it the other way where I'm like, fuck it, I, fuck it I'm going to do it, yeah. and the reaction is a lot better when I say, fuck it, I'm just going to go course. And, and do it, rather <laughs> than not edit myself. Well, yeah, so it's just a mental discipline. Yeah. This is what I've learned in comedy. I've been working now, what, 19 years, and it's been solid. Yeah. It's all I think about is stand up and yeah. go out and gig and this and that. But last year, I wore myself down at a bone. And oh, yeah? I said, this year, you know what? Uh, it's about balance. It's about enjoying uh -huh. life a little bit more. Sure. Rather than come home, unpack, get back out there, keep the grind going. Yeah. Uh, I want to live life a little right. bit more. And you got a kid now. And I got a kid now. And that kind of changes a lot of things. And yeah. You want to participate in, in the upbringing of the child rather than... Yeah, and it timed out for you. It seemed like the arc of uh, your popularity enables you. To not, you know, make yourself so fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm at the point now where I could, you know, like, let's take the summer off and yeah. we got three weddings to go to. Uh, I don't want my wife going to these weddings anymore. Like, I passed away. Yeah. You know, like, she's got to show up alone. <laughs> so uh, I want to go with her to these things. Yeah, yeah. And as, as you do that, too, you mine material out of those life experiences. Of course. So, like, how, how long did it take you to write the book? Three years. Uh, I started uh, writing the book with a, a writer yeah. uh, who's helping me out, and then um, and a guy who you, that you knew or they set you up uh, with a guy that I interviewed and and and, and liked, oh the, the but, publisher said we got a guy yeah you yeah. go out and interview these writers sure and like then, a TV deal yeah yeah and then uh, we didn't really get along creatively uh, no, no bad blood it was just one of yeah. those things it, it came to a, a wall and then I had to go find another writer so that's why I kind of took a while uh -huh. and and listen man when I first started writing. Writing this book, I didn't. I didn't think I have a book. You know, sure. I, I say in the book that, you know, I'm not a, a politician or I, I'm not a sports figure. I, I, nobody. I I didn't get beaten as a kid and come through this. You know, there's no. I didn't think I had a story. Yeah. To tell. Right. But I did. After 20 years of being in this and uh, having these experience happen to me, I, I I formulated a nice little book, kind of about the last 20 years of my life. Uh -huh. and, uh and I'm proud of it. It's just everything from the jobs I had to take, uh, to do, doing, uh, you know, selling satellite dishes in the ghetto at, uh, Crenshaw and Martin Luther King Boulevard. That was, was that before or after the Four Seasons? That was during. So I worked for Four Seasons 1998 to 2005. And then I had to get a, uh, job in between there because I, I hated waiting on people. I, yeah. was, I was getting sick of it. So I started working at a, um, a kiosk selling Dish Network satellite dishes in, in, in a mall, in an urban mall. Yeah. And uh, and I went into debt. Yeah, but that was the choice? Like, you know, you, I mean, like there wasn't another job. You're, you're I needed, a smart guy. I needed, I needed flexibility. Okay. Uh, this allowed flexibility. <laughs> yeah. And when you hear yeah. that if you sell a satellite dish, yeah. right, yeah, you get a hundred bucks per dish. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, how hard is it to sell TV yeah. subscriptions? Basically, right. everybody needs cable or sure. whatever. Yeah. I'm thinking five, five, six a day, yeah. six hundred a day. 
Five days a week, that's three grand. That's 180 grand a year. You're I'm in. I'm in. And it was, I was in a struggle, man. No, I wasn't selling at all. What I used to do is uh, there was a TV in the kiosk. Yeah. So I used to record programs that might attract people to my kiosk. In the, in the urban mall. In the urban mall. Yeah. So I uh, recorded this Michael Jackson Motown special, and I played that on a loop. So I had about 85 people dancing, doing the moonwalk around my kiosk, yeah. but nobody buying <laughs> the damn sound. <laughs> It was like a dance party in the middle of the mall. Um, so I did that for six to eight months, and I went into debt. I $10,000 I, yeah. I owed. And uh, I was on the phone with my father and mother at, at, at one point, and yeah. they detected that there was some problems. They hear, they hear it right away, don't they? Right away. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Oh, God. What, <laughs> what is it, money? <laughs> <laughs> and my dad jumped on the phone. He's yeah. like, what's the problem? I said, Dad, you know, I, I, I'm in 10, 10 grand in debt. And uh, he bailed me out. He paid my credit card bill. Yeah. And I paid him back every every cent. I would call him and I would go, how much do I owe you? And you would just hear like papers. And he goes, I got it right here. You owe me 7890 He had it to the cent. How much? <laughs> Wait, was there a VIG on it? There no, a no, no VIG. No VIG. <laughs> It was just a straight loan, yeah. um, but he, I paid him back, and I'm glad that I paid him back because it taught me that you know you don't nothing in life you kind of escape out of. It's well, yeah, and also it's 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 nice to be able to to pay your parents back yeah. because like usually like if you really wanted to you could probably get off, right? Yeah. But there's something about you know I like, just take it. Like I tried to get my, my my mom floated me some money when I was going through a divorce. She wouldn't take it back. She she said you're going to get it anyway. Oh no. no. <laughs> No, well, no, your mom's a lot different. Than my, my dad's like, you need to pay me back because <laughs> you might not get it at the end. I need it. <laughs> right, right. I don't know if mine's going to hold up. Right, yeah. And, and what other stories you got in there? Like just stuff about shit gigs and all that kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, you know, like what I had to do. It, it, there's a chapter about me working, uh -huh. doing these odd jobs. Even even before I came out here, I was uh, Captain, I was Captain Morgan. I uh, On TV? No, no. I used to go to bars dressed up as I, Captain Morgan. I always, it amazes me to hear these stories. <laughs> like, there's a certain type of personality. Like, I knew... Like, like, you would never do this? I would never think to do it. I, <laughs> like, you wait, like, no matter how bad it got, yeah. I don't know if I'd think to do it. Like, you know, like, Big J, Ogerson, he was like a ghetto Elmo. Like, he was, like, he'd go he out was? as oh, Elmo, man. but it was it not real Elmo. Like, I mean, I just, there are guys that I... There must have been some party you thought it was going to be a performance. Uh... It was good money. Yeah. And it, again, fle flexibility. And they, they didn't really know who you were. Couldn't see you wearing the mustache. Know, yeah. Mustache hat. I had a parrot on my shoulder. A real parrot? No, fake. Oh, yeah. I had a hook. And I used to go into these bars. Uh -huh. And these were kind of seedy bars, too. Where? Uh, back in Chicago. Uh -huh. This is before I came out here. I was yeah. doing these like odd jobs. Yeah. Worked at Honey Bake Ham, Glazing Ham. Oh, yeah. Doing uh, doing uh, temp work. I graduated college at 24 with a Bachelor of Science degree in corporate communications. And I ended up working at United Airlines Employees Credit Union as a temporary employee because I, I, I didn't get a job out of college. Right. I was the guy that went to the um, the uh, work fair in a, like a wedding. 
wedding suit. You know, I had this, like silver wedding suit walking around. You know, looked like I was uh, collecting money rather than handing out resumes. Right. So nobody called. Yeah. And uh, I ended up coming home and working at night at a place called the Living Room in Schomburg Waiting Tables. And Schomburg. Day, yeah. Schomburg. Right improv. Right improv. Yeah. yeah. Right there. It was an unbelievable fine dining place. It was uh-huh. the place to be in Chicago in 1994, 95, 96. And I worked there up in the restaurant. And then during the day, I would work at the Employees Credit Union in the back in the data entry department. Of United. Of United Airlines Employees Credit And you're like, I got to get an outfit. I got I, I, I to I be Captain Morgan. Yeah. I got to get out of here. <laughs> I got to get a, I need a ship. I got to get out of here on a pirate ship. <laughs> Hey, wow, man! Oh yeah. So you didn't come out here till your mid twenties, late twenties. Twenty. Well, I was twenty four. I was. Uh, so you hit the wall with Captain Morgan, yeah, huh? After Captain Morgan, I said, I got, I got to leave town. I got to leave town. Yeah. So nineteen ninety eight, I came out here and uh, I moved to the St James Apartments on Hollywood and Fuller, right down the street from Running Canyon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I came out here with ten grand in my pocket, and I decided that I was going to wait and get a really nice waiting table job. Yeah. I didn't want to work at Mel's Diner. I didn't want to work at any of those kind of yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, you come home with uh, fifty three dollars. Yeah. I yeah, wanted to work dirty yeah. apron. Dirty apron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it took me six, seven weeks to get a job out here in L.A., yeah. and I, I kind of ran out of money. I uh, actually had some grand scheme that I was going to go to Las Vegas because I still had the United Airlines benefits. Yeah. So I would take a little jaunt to Las Vegas, see if I could gamble and make some money. <laughs> yeah. Playing blackjack, hoping uh, hoping. Were you good at it? Did you have an angle? No, you... no, there's no angle. It was just like, <laughs> let's let's try to make some, some bread here. Some I... quick money in Vegas. Yeah. Oh, he's good. Great plan. Great plan. Captain Morgan, Vegas. Uh, you're seeing, t- t- it's kind of how my mind works. Yeah. Not... Satellite dishes. <laughs> and move these things. 600 a day. <laughs> 600 a day at satellite dishes. Oh, All right, buddy. Man. Well, I'm I'm happy for your success, Thank and you. uh, the book sounds fun. Book is uh, "Stay Hungry" comes out uh, February 27th. Yeah, and uh, it's also an audio book. I, I wanted to put my voice to the oh, yeah, words it's the best. too. Sure, and why not? Did you have you done that? Yeah, you can you can punch it up. Okay, I don't know what your experience was. It's long. I went in there and yeah. I left, and I go, I can't read. <laughs> I'm like, you know, to read out loud, yeah. 256 pages. And they're on you, too. It's like you forgot the, yeah. uh, yeah. Because you go back and do, uh, you just, you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. That guy was, uh, you said could instead of would. I was putting in words that weren't even on the page. Right. Riffing a little bit. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was one of the hardest things I've done. It yeah. Just, because the problem with it is by the end, you know, your tone is a little cranky. Like you start off funny and then by the end of the book, you're like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. I've been here for five fucking hours. Sorry if it's not chipper anymore. I know, man. <laughs> but you tough. got through it. I got through it. And you're going to tour on the book? Uh, the book, we're in the middle of a tour right now. We're going to oh. take the summer off, and then we're going to start back up in the fall. Take but, summer uh, off, do fun things with your family. Three weddings to go to, one in Sicily. Uh, so, really? Yeah, we're going to take a... Have you been there? Yeah. I went with my father, actually, six years ago. Is he Sicilian? Yeah. He was born in uh, Sheffalu. He came here when he was 15 years old, so... Real Italian. Oh, yeah. So ever since we went, he's back. he's been back every year since Oh, we... so if you didn't pay the money back... We wouldn't have went. <laughs> There've been problems. Be... <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Good man. We'll have fun. Thank you. All right. So that book is called "Stay Hungry." I, I like Sebastian. Good guy. Funny guy. Worked hard. And uh, the book is is him. It's him. It's him in a book. You know how that goes. 
Hey, we're sponsored today by Stamps.com, which you probably know by now is the easiest way to access all the amazing services of the post office. And if you don't know that, then you better listen up. All you have to do is create your Stamps.com account in minutes online, and you'll be able to buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. There's no equipment to lease and no long-term commitment. Stamps.com will even help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs, and they'll send you a digital scale, which automatically calculates exact postage. They'll do that for you. See how easy they make it for you. Click print mail, and you're done. I use Stamps.com from right here in the garage, and when I move to the new garage, I'll use it there. That's the beauty of Stamps.com. It's the post office that goes wherever you go. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in WTF. That's Stamps.com. Enter WTF. Yes, the new garage is a garage, but it's going to be more than a garage. It's going to be a place where if my mother needs to live there, she can live there. So that'll be interesting. Uh, you know, like just to, you know, mom, you got to, you know, sit outside. Albert Brooks is here. Mom, could you, could you, uh, you know, get out of your, your house and let me interview Albert Brooks? No, it's okay. You know, it's gonna, it's a garage, but it, it, you know, it's an, it's a nicer garage is what I'm implying is that's all I'm saying. And I think that my mom could sit in on the conversation I have with Albert Brooks if that ever happens. Heather Graham. Heather Graham is here and, uh, I was excited to talk to her. I watched her new movie that she wrote, directed and starred in, Half Magic. I've watched many of the movies she's been in. Uh, it was, a, it was nice of her to come by and this is me talking to her. All right. This is me talking to Heather Graham right now. I don't think I've ever done a podcast before. You've done radio. <laughs> I, yeah, I've done radio. You're right. You've been, I've you've, gone to like serious radio and stuff. Yeah. But not like, and you sat know, there. the real deal cool the re- podcast. <laughs> the real deal cool. You're like, I, I you like mean, this is like a cool... You haven't gone to somebody's house to do media? In- no, but I think that makes people probably more relaxed, right? Because you're not like in a... I think I, something here. happens, yeah. you know, you're, you're surrounded by all this you know, stuff yeah. and yeah, but to, yeah, people I think do relax. They, they, it doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem like, um, after it does a, seem real though. I feel it, like that's the, it. It seems very real. Right. Okay. Yeah. But right. But after a point you're like, are we recording this? Is this, yeah, are, are you we? recording this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am it's recording very natural. it. Well, you have an action figure. That was a, it's actually, I would assume, it's a piece of art. It's the oh, only cool. one that exists. Wow. Some guy made that, made a Mark Marin action figure because so cool. he thought I, I needed one. Okay. Yeah. There's a you lot do. of, uh, you deserve one. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I actually saw you, I think. I, mm-hmm. I did I see I saw you. the comedy. Where were the yeah, comedy, comedy store? Because I went to go see Crystalia, and you were performing. It was great. I was there. Yeah. Oh, you saw me? Yes. Oh. Of course. I, but I didn't meet you. I mean, you. you're famous. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of famous. And I've also watched your show. You have? Every episode of GLOW. Oh, that's really, fun, right? Yeah, it was really fun. Oh, good. Because like, I never know if people yeah. know me, if yeah. there's familiarity, because I know yeah. you. And I then I like... listened to your pod, some of your podcasts. Just I listened to, get to ready. Richard Jenkins. Yeah, I was just... Um, well, some <laughs> of my, my best friends love it. They yeah. were actually like, you should try to get on his podcast, because he has the best podcast. <laughs> and then I started listening to it. Yeah. It was really... Actually, I thought you'd be more... 
have more jokes, but you're just really interested in people, like right. asking them questions. Yeah, yeah. no, it's like uh, the joke yeah. thing, like uh, that wears thin after a while. You yeah, know, you no, can't it's just... cool. I learned so much about Richard Jenkins from your podcast about him. Like you really got into, de- I, I'm kind of like that with people too. Like I yeah. like asking people questions. Right. You know, yeah. you, well, you seem like that kind of person. It's <laughs> yeah. in the I sense, can interview you. <laughs> you could if you really want to. But like, I think sometimes <laughs> asking people questions is a good way to, uh, to keep them hmm. from going too far. It's asking you questions. Right. Yes. That's right. true. You just kind of keep waiting. But what about you? Seriously. If you're, generally, if you're genuinely interested, I feel like you're genuinely interested. I am. I think I am too. No, that's like, good. I could ask a lot of questions. Really? Do you like, is that generally what you do? Like when you, uh, like, like, like when you work with directors, you know, are you like the kind of person that's sort of like, what do you want? Well, usually I kind of get into like psychologically analyzing the character and like, why do you think the character is doing this? And what yeah. do you think the motivation? So I get into the questions about the psychology of the right. characters. Yeah. Not are as you- much like, but, with directors, but I can ask people like if I just met you, I'd probably just ask you a lot of questions. All right, go ahead. Okay, um, what made you good become a comedian? Oh uh, well, <laughs> uh, I think like when I was a kid, I always wanted to like I always liked comedians. They always mm-hmm. seemed to ha- make sense of the world somehow. Mm-hmm. Like because a good comic, yeah. like it kind of disarms a lot of your fears, right? Right, and makes sense of things that yes. seem complicated. Yes. So when I was a little kid watching comics, like I'd be like, oh, that's yeah, that guy knows what's happening. He's got a handle good. on it. Yeah, yeah. It was more about having a handle on reality yeah like they weren't just like you know falling all the time it's kind of spiritual too because if you can have a sense of humor about life yeah then you sort of like you're not in like total despair right despair <laughs> hopelessness dread yes yes yeah i guess is that Fear. I, I guess that's what spirituality is supposed to do uh give you a little hope yeah i think it feels just like you can detach and look at it with like oh my god this is all kind of funny not like this is right. horrific you right know? right yeah yeah for it doesn't always yeah. hold i mean yeah. you could do it it for doesn't a, always hold you yeah, know that's true. you could do it for a while but then one day you'd be like oh god that's it's not true. working the new movie that your movie uh yeah. it, it has a spiritual bent yes yes well i wanted to well kind of like what we're talking about i took yeah. some things that really depressed me and i'm like how can i find humor in this and it's all kind of slightly based on true stories. Is it? Yeah, because yeah. I didn't like I didn't know that the candle thing was real. My girlfriend said that uh, you know there are people that the candle thing is real. Yes. That, well, it started. There's a store in New York called the Enchantments. Have you ever been to Enchantments? I don't. I feel like I may. Yeah. How long has it been there? It's more girly. Like yeah. I'm sure probably lots of guys aren't going there. But you know, you can buy candles and you can wish for love or you wish for you know great job or money. Right. Yeah. So I had some girlfriends. For candles. Yeah. We, yeah. we would get together. We, it wasn't all only candles. We would yeah. just talk about what do we want and so it was these women and also Moby. Moby was in it too. <laughs> yeah. And so then he gave that me That guy's of- <laughs> nothing but trouble that Moby. I know. He's amazing. <laughs> He's so generous. He gave us a lot of music for the movie. So mm-hmm. you're you're full on. You're in this shit. Well, I do a lot of yoga. I meditate. I do transcendental meditation. You do TM. Well, like, you know how you look to comedy to heal your pain? I look to, like, new age things. Well, it's also my job. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the way I think about things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, they, it is my, my craft, my chosen craft. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if I really look at it to heal my pain. Oh, really? I, I, yeah, I tend to look more towards food. Okay. I mean, food <laughs> works. I definitely have done that in the past. But, it, but it's not good. It's, yeah. not, it's not spiritual. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I tend to avoid the spiritual by, you know, engaging in, you know, things outside of me to try to well, make myself feel better. Laugh. And you're being honest. Well, that's good. No, is, I'm glad people get a lot out cool. of it. Yeah. But in terms of personal, mm-hmm. spiritual, psychic mm-hmm. health, mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have good psychic health. That's what you're saying. N- not great. <laughs> not. No- <laughs> 
<laughs> you need to have some more sound baths, maybe. I know. I need. I need yeah. to go to the sound bath yeah. at Moby's. Do you meditate? I don't. Okay. Well, but people have been telling that. me to. Tell mm-hmm. me about TM, though. So you're in. You bought your mantra and everything? Well, um, yeah, that is kind of weird about TM. They do make you pay for the yeah. class. But, I mean, I learned it like when I worked with David Lynch on Twin Peaks, on the original How Twin did you Peaks. meet David Lynch originally? You know, I auditioned for a commercial he was doing for like Calvin Klein Obsession Perfume. Really? Yeah. He and did I think commercials? I guess I did. He it. did. I mean, making. I guess he was making money. Sure. You know? um, and then I guess Benicio Del Toro was in my commercial before he ever started doing like acting yeah, a lot. At all? Yeah. So yeah. So I met David Lynch and then he put me in Twin Peaks in the, you know, right, the original. Right, the original one. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. actually how I became friends with Moby. That far back? No, because he was a fan. So when I ran into him, oh. he's like, I love Twin Peaks. And so then he introduced himself. Right. And this that was pretty recently? No, that was like 10 years ago, maybe. Oh, so original Moby. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. uh, first flush Moby, the yeah. big record Moby. Yeah, no, maybe, no, because that was maybe more like 15 years ago. Oh, was it so that it was long like ago? 10 it's years. flying by. Yeah, it really is. So David yeah. Lynch hipped you to TM? Is that? Yeah, I just was like, he told me to go to meditate. How old were you then? Like I was 20? Like 20. Yeah. yeah. Something like 20. Were you all, why do you suggest it to you at that time? Well, I think I was unhappy because I think that's a hard age when you're like just moving out of the house from your parents. Yeah. Like, who am I? Like, yeah. why am I? depressed and right. like i didn't really know how to cook so i just used to eat a lot of candy bars oh, yeah. like i'd be like okay i won't eat dinner so i'll just buy eight candy bars which kind of candy unhealthy. bar um reese's twix oh, 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 kit oh, kat those the best ones those are I all know, the best ones i know reese's are the best like for no, sure. yeah but you, you know you only take kit so kat, much of them twix yeah crunchy i like me too caramel yeah, yeah. That, those are my three i know occasionally i'll do m&m's I used to eat so unhealthy that I would like eat muffins. I'd be like, "Oh, bran muffins are healthy." Like yeah, I didn't I think st- like that's cake. Really, uh, no, just I still do that icing. sometimes. I still, I still. And I would eat pasta. Myself. I would eat muffins, yeah. pasta, and candy bars. But those three can those are the best ones in my book. I Twix, the uh, mm-hmm. Kit Kats, and the Reese's. Yes, but meditating helped me not eat so badly. And then there was a frozen yogurt place. That but that I was loved. your pre-spirituality spirituality. Pre-spir- yeah, I would just be like, "How can I gorge on sugar? sugar get a high, yeah. and then I get a low, yeah. and then I'm just like thinking about tomorrow. What what right. can I buy tomorrow? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I stock up? <laughs> yeah, no ice cream, not ice cream. No, I did used to eat pints of yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Reese's peanut butter, peanut cup, butter or cup, or cookie dough, or cookie dough, cookie oh. dough, or Reese's peanut yeah, butter. Peanut butter cup. Dig looking for, for the peanut butter yeah. cup is the best. The Ben and Jerry's peanut butter. But it's disgusting. You can really only do that when you're like 18, 19, 20. I did it into my 40s. Did you? Yeah, I did pints. I, I was still doing. So how pints. do you stay? Like, I'm, I'm done with it now. Okay, I don't yeah. do it now. Okay, I'm yeah. barely hanging on now. <laughs> it's it makes you feel terrible. <laughs> I had a biscuit yesterday, and I want to kill myself. <laughs> I know. Well, that's good though, right? And a piece like, of olive oil cake. Oof. That sounds good. That's that sounds good. like kind of gourmet though. Not it was as a little bad. bit. It was yeah. a little bit. It was fancy. Yeah. yeah. So so David Lynch sees this kid. It's gorging, basically bulimic. <laughs> no, well, I never threw up. I think right. I was more like, let me starve myself and then eat candy bars. I, I, cause Binging. throwing up was too gross for me. Yeah. Well, I just watched actually the Jane Fonda documentary and she talks about being bulimic, which is so interesting. Wow. Growing up was gross to you? Um, is no, that what you said? Growing up, no, throwing mm, up. Mm, throwing mm. up was too gross. Right, so I sure. wouldn't go to the bulimia aspect, right. but I would go to like, okay, I won't eat a regular dinner and I'll just eat eight candy yeah, bars. Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 For the whole day. You just mm-hmm. wait the whole day. Maybe I eat like a bran muffin. Bran muffin in the morning, eight candy bars at Or night. like I go to get frozen yogurt. I get frozen yogurt for like lunch and frozen yogurt for dinner. Sure, sure. That's ice terrible. cream. But it's not yeah. ice cream, right? In your mind? Not ice cream. Remember bran, there was a bran whole craze that was like everything had to be no, non-fat, but it was full of sugar. Like Tasty Delight. And it, you just be like, York. oh, it's non-fat. Yeah, I can yeah. eat as much as I want. And then you'd be like, why do I feel so crazy right now? Because yeah, yeah, I just yeah. ate like so much sugar. And you get all bloated. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. Terrible. So David, so Lynch goes, yeah, we got to get you, got to level you off. No, I think I just was like intrigued because I mean I grew up in suburbia. There weren't a lot of creative Where? types around in Agora. 
Oh, here. See, now it's cool. But when I was there, I feel like... There Is it w- cool? I don't know. I feel like some people live out there and commute. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's nicer. Just There's like a movie people, theater. Just because like you you kind of know people who live out there. It's pretty. Look, it there. is pretty, but it's like suburbia. There wasn't a lot of cultural... There weren't cultural things going on there. That's where you were born here in, in, uh, in California? No, my dad was in the FBI, and he was transferred around a lot. He's from Philadelphia. My mom's from New Jersey. They, I was born is when he still he was, around? Yeah, he's still alive. Have you talked to him about what's going on? <laughs> not not a lot, no. Oh, really? Um, you, you haven't called him like, what? What is up? What do you think about this? The FBI, they're, they're going down. They haven't done it. He's not real. I mean, he's more conservative because they're quite religious, you know? Sure, but still, I, I mean, yeah. the, you know, that agency was had an integrity to it. It's taken a lot of hits. But, uh, but so... Yeah, I, I, you know, you don't have yeah. to talk to him about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, well, I was born in Wisconsin. Then yeah. I lived outside of Washington, D.C. and Virginia. And then I moved to L.A. when I was nine. That was when he was at the home office. Yeah. Well, I the, think, yeah. The, the bureau. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he was out in the field. And then he was in the federal building on Wilshire. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So he was an FBI agent your whole life. He retired um, from the FBI. He got his pension from the FBI. Yeah. Was it? Was there points where you were like, "What are you doing?" It just sounded cool, but it he really cool. just had a normal. He just would leave in the morning, come home at night, and he had a, a gun and a bulletproof vest. Sure, but and you're it like, "This is a... cool. I get to impress people." But it's like it didn't. I didn't. He didn't really talk about what he was doing. So sure. it just seemed like, "Oh, he goes to work in the morning, and comes home at night." Yeah, with his gun and his bulletproof vest, and you imagine you would have heard if something went down with either of those things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know he worked. He worked on terrorism for a while. So, oh yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds interesting. You've never like sat down and had conversations. No, well, they're not allowed to really talk about. It. I think once when he was retired, I think I said, "Well, do you have any stories?" And yeah. He was like, "Well, once we intercepted this shipment of um, these weapons that would explode in people's bodies, like they would hit, you, you know, they, wow." Like, so he's like, "I was really glad that we we caught that and oh, stopped them yeah. from you know right. mailing that to the other terrorists, right?" Whatever. And what'd your mom do in the in the childhood? Well, years? my mom was um she was a teacher yeah. before she got married, and then she was a housewife, and she was writing children's books and. Poetry poetry and um so then like as we grew up yes oh, that's mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. yeah so you, you yeah. could hold up your mom's children's book yeah i and mean i didn't bring siblings. it with me but that's okay. i have a younger sister how uh, how, how much she's younger? a year and a half younger oh yeah she's yes. in show business yes how's she doing she's an actress yeah. and i think she got recently into like producing and stuff yeah. oh yeah like you yeah. getting into directing producing, i guess yeah writing yes yes yeah yes. So why would she why why would both of you go into this miserable <laughs> fucking business <laughs> Because I guess we moved to L.A. You know, you're like, the proximity to L.A. just draws you in. <laughs> it does, I guess. Yeah. If, if well, you for me, the... I was an awkward nerd. So I'm like, how can I distinguish myself and like get attention? You were attention? nerdy? Yeah, I was quite nerdy. And I wasn't really thought of as attractive. So then when, when I was started, this? this was like when I was in high school. Uh-huh. And like, I was kind of tomboyish. And then I got went on auditions. And like, they'd be like, okay, you're auditioning for like the pretty cheerleader. And I'm like, I couldn't get on the cheerleading squad. And nobody's asking me out, really. So yeah. I was like, this is fun. Right. <laughs> you're so this other world where people think I'm like this cool, pretty person. And that's where it started? That's how it started? Um, well, what you, so you're growing up in Agora Hills. How do you just, how do you make, how do you like go, I'm going to do show business and figure out how to get in it? Well, basically, okay, if you want to go back to when it started, I think I used to like to make up fantasy games in my head sure. and play it with the kids in the neighborhood. And I'd be like, right. you guys are vampires and I'm this character and you're that and let's uh-huh. all do this game. And then I think I went to high school and I got really awkward and nerdy and I used to audition for the plays. And that was like my area of like getting attention. Oh, really? So you were like, you know, full on drama like- geek. Okay, mm-hmm. so you lived over there in the drama department. So when I moved the, to Agora, uh, I started to get the lead in the plays. Doing musicals? 
Yeah, but I was a terrible singer, but somehow I still had enough like well, it was high school. showbiz personality <laughs> that I got away with like having a, not a very good singing voice. Like Wait. I starred in Damn Yankees. I was Lola in Damn Yankees when I was like 14. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's where it started. I mean, that was like a highlight of my but childhood. So, but you were, you were one of those kids who was withdrawn or nerdy or, or you know, not completely socially awkward. Mm -hmm. And you came to life in the well, drama department. I was department. like smart. I was in these in advanced placement classes. So yeah. if you're in that, then you kind of just travel around with that group of advanced placement. You're in advanced math. You're in advanced English. You're in, you know, so then Do you it's remember like, those people in your group? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Just, if, you know, just very smart kids who, you know, uh, well, you know, there seems to be, you're, you're looked at differently by the rest of the school. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean, you're right? not as cool as like um, a jock or like a yeah. cheerleader or the pop, you know. It doesn't end well for them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, then it's like, yeah, then you're like, yeah, the nerds are really the cool, cool Have people. you gone to reunions? No, I haven't. But I have a one friend still from high school. She's actually coming to our premiere. Oh, yeah? She's really good friends, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So okay, so but still, how do you cross the bridge? How what what you do? You go to college? Um, I did. I went to UCLA for a few years. Um, but I actually started working when I was in high school. I was in License to Drive with Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Oh, they do. Oh, poor. Yeah. I know. It's Haim's like all these stories gone. that have come out. Well, oh, Haim is so dead, disturbing. right? He, yes. He kind of went Christian yes. and drugs. Is that what happened? He. I know that he was. I mean, I guess at the time I was working with them, they got they were doing drugs. But yeah. I was like very naive, and right. I didn't really, you know. But you know, they've talked about it. And they were doing drugs, and Corey Haim died. Yeah, but but much later. I mean, but, much yeah. later. And then you know, Corey Feldman has come out with you know talking the pedophile about pedophile. Yeah, I know it's so disturbing. Like I was working with them during that time, and I had no idea that was happening. It's so disturbing. You think you would have known, but I guess that's what a lot of people are saying about a lot of things. Yeah. How could you know? I mean, they just seem like cooler. Like I'm like I'm from the suburban high school, and they've been in and like Stand by Me and Lucas, and I'm like. They seem like so sophisticated, and I guess maybe I kind of knew they were doing drugs. And like Corey Haim was dating like Lala Zappa, and I just felt like I was like this Lala Zappa. Yeah, I felt like I was like this awkward, like normal person looking at these stars. So I yeah. didn't think like, oh, something terrible is going on for them. I yeah. just thought, oh, I'm with these amazing stars. Right. You so know? you, yeah, and you were you were afforded the distance because you weren't in. Right? I wasn't so, in this. I wasn't in the circle. I was like, I am a normal person act, acting with movie stars, and I didn't think like, oh wow, there are these people that are leading these. You know, I both think they were both emancipated from their parents, and I knew that there's. What things, does that mean? That means that like you don't need a guardian on set. Oh, and it also means that I think you know your parents. I don't know if it's that they're incapable or that just that you don't yeah. want to have to have a guardian. Sure. I don't know. So they they sign a thing. You yeah. are emancipated, freed. Yeah. You're freed, yeah. You don't have to go to the school. That's interesting, though, because yeah. like, I get that feeling when I'm on Glow. I'm like looking at Allison Brie during scenes going like, oh, I'm working with a real actress. <laughs> She's <laughs> probably like being impressed by you, Oh, right? that's true. Like, we do yeah. all right together. We yeah. got we got a good thing yeah, on it's screen. Fun. It's great to see a show with so many women. Like, no kidding. Awesome. A lot of yeah. them. Like, I've never been around that You're many like women in my life. You're the only guy on that I'm the, show, I'm the cranky, uh, <laughs> the cranky sexist you at the center. You must love it, right? You get all these women. You're like, <laughs> I get to I get to be the only man with all these women. Well, you know, I, I yeah. try to just, you know, be, just be one of one of the girls. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so you got it. So, but how do you like get an agent and stuff when you're in high school? How does that happen? Your parents have got to be in on it. I well, mean, I think you have to have a certain degree of like ambitious, like unhappiness where yeah. you're just like, oh, you feel like I need, you know, to do this. And then you drive, you get your driver's license. And my mom was supportive, you know, and I, and I drove into the city to go on auditions, but you have to go on a lot of auditions. Well, how'd you find the auditions? Did you have somebody that signed you or what happened? You know what? I think I got like, well, I got an agent and yeah. then I got, I went to acting classes. And I think through my acting classes, I got maybe an agent. Oh. When you're very, 
young, it's a little bit easier to get an agent. Like well, as you get older, it's harder because there's more competition. But when you're just like, I'm 15, you know, yeah. it's a little bit easier to just be like, okay, you have no experience. We'll try sending you out a few times. I think I got a commercial agent. And then I went to acting classes and, I, you know, you try, you ask everyone like, oh, you ask your acting teacher, can you introduce me to your agent and blah, blah, blah. And I yeah. think I got my first agent because my acting teacher, I could tell she didn't really want to help me, but I was like, well, I found this other agency. She's like, oh, they're not good. I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you to mine. Yeah. So she helped me get the agent that helped me get the auditions that helped me get that movie with Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. And, and, um, did, what kind of classes were they? Were they, do you, how many teachers have you worked with in your life? Um, uh, I went to a lot. Like, um, this was just like, I guess I was 16 or 17. I used to drive into the city and take like one night classes in Hollywood. Mm. And I was just so excited because yeah. I felt like I was from like suburbia mm. and here were these arty people. And yeah, yeah. I always felt like a bit of a weirdo oddball. So I'm like, oh, these people, I feel like I can relate to them more, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. So, but, but do you remember like, cause I always wonder like, were there teachers that made a big impact or that, you know, do you know where you learned most of what you know well, about acting? Well, I tried acting? a lot of different teachers. The person I went to the most, his name's Harry Master George. And I remember I was really impressed because when I started going to his class, like Ray Liotta was in it. And I think like Melanie Griffin. And you were like, and what, 17? I was like, yeah, like maybe I was 20 or uh-huh. something. Um, yeah, because I think that was a different class I went to when I was like 17. Right. But so I started going to his, I went to his class for a long time and he was just really supportive because some acting teachers can be a little like mean. They just want to break you down. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah, make you cry. Yeah, I mean, I went to different. Like, I went to Meisner classes. I tried a different lot, but then I started going to Harry. He just does scene study. Yeah, yeah. And he just like yeah. So you you do the scene, and then he just tells you what you did or what you. How he, you his feel. whole theory is just basically like use your imagination and just pretend you're this person and just sit for in your home for eight hours a day, picturing your life and picturing every moment and think of like every thought that's coming into your head and don't practice the lines out loud and don't do it in front of a mirror, but just become this person by your imagination. Oh, so that was that's the trick. And basically sit there, just like your entire day. Like so instead of going to work, you just sit in your house. Just <laughs> Being picturing that, person? that. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked for you. I mean it I did get you job. St- I mean that's the main thing. I you know, sometimes I'll i I'll I'll try to make things similar to my life. Like you'll be like, Okay, well this character's feeling this feeling and I felt this feeling in this moment, but that's not really what he teaches, but occasionally I will do that anyway. So theoretically if you can imagine it thoroughly enough, you don't need to do that. That's his belief. Yeah. Yeah. But other people are sort of like, I need to cry. I got to think about yeah, my dog. you need an in. Like, right. yeah, you're like, okay, well, this thing reminds me of this situation. So I'll kind of like substitute it and then try right. it. But his theory is like, it should be purestly just thinking of the story. And if you were really this person in this story. But the weird thing is, yeah. is that like I've learned, because I'm fairly new to acting, you know, in, in a professional way is that, you know, it, it's, that's only going to enrich, a lot of times that's mm-hmm. going to make the experience for you mm-hmm. more deep and interesting. Mm-hmm. But for someone watching it, you know, mm-hmm. however you cry, mm-hmm. you're generally there. It doesn't matter. No, kind of, right? Everyone has like a different way. So yeah. A, yeah, every teacher just has their different way, but that was his way. And, and yeah. so you did, you did license to drive. Yeah. And then you did, but then, so right, pretty. Then I did Drugstore Cowboy. That right, was like pretty the soon cool after, movie. right? Yeah, that's when I really met like Gus Van Sant and like. How, what was the casting for that like? I mean, well, like, it was like Matt Dillon, James LeGroke. No, Kelly yeah, but Lynch. how'd you get it? Oh, how did I get it? Yeah. I just auditioned. I went and auditioned for it. I think I had to cry on it. And I remember just the whole day, like just putting myself in this crazy mood and going in. Oh, I was like, the hat on the bed thing. Yeah, you put the hat on the bed, didn't I you? Know. <laughs> I know, I know. I died in it. Yeah, and I got wrapped, put in a body bag. You're and, all, you turned blue. Yeah. He OD'd, right? Yeah. And that was before Gus Van Sant ever had done. That was like his first big movie. He did this smaller it's a great movie. movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. So yeah, that was, yeah. I suddenly was like, oh my God, like this is all these cool arty people and Matt Dillon. Did and you meet then, William Burroughs? Yes. How was that? 
He was cool. I yeah. mean, I was like 18, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I'm not like, you, you didn't know, know who he was. I really? hadn't really, I think I started reading his books because I was working with him, yeah. but I hadn't like known it's a who lot. He was. At yeah. 18 to yeah. I mean, I had books. like no drug taking, <laughs> yeah. you know, history at that point. Did he yeah. seem like just this weird old grandpa? I mean, no, they just seem like these weird. I remember like James LeGros saying, like, you should read Charles Bukowski and John Fonte. And I'm like, oh, there's all these interesting people I can read. And they're like, listen to Tom Waits. And I'm like, wow, no one at my high school was ever into all this cool. I'm like, I felt so cool. I'm like, listening to Tom Waits and like, <laughs> Like reading John Fonte and Charles Bukowski, I'm like, yeah. I've really made it You're into in, the cool man. circle of like art, arty people. It's very LA though, those yeah. three things. It's sort of wild. You've got William Burroughs there, who's the grandfather of all that shit. But like, you know, those guys, those three are LA people. You could have seen any of them. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so now you're you're moving, right? You're drugstore cowboy. Things mm-hmm. are happening. Yeah, things are happening. I started to feel like, oh my God, you know, maybe yeah. I'm going to like break out. And I like met all these interesting people. But you know, it's hard being an actor. Like, I, yeah. you know, I kept working, but it wasn't like then I suddenly like got every job I ever wanted we did some like movies that like yeah. I don't remember that were probably movies that that weren't as big as they could yeah, be yeah yeah but like you did work with Lawrence Kasdan yeah and I got I to love work you with to Jessica death. Lang and Jessica I did some Lang. cool things like um and I supported myself as an actor which I'm like so grateful for well this I love you to death I kind of remember that movie what was yeah, it had a about? small part it was basically about how Kevin Klein was cheating on his wife who was played by Tracy Ullman right and basically I was like one of the girls he was cheating on with did you meet River Phoenix and everybody yes I can't believe he died it's so so many people have died. It's so sad. Yeah, right? He was so nice. Yeah. But getting back to David Lynch, he's got yeah. you meditating. He sucked totally. you into TM. <laughs> and you do the TV show. Yeah. And then you do the movie. And you're like 20, 21? I guess so. 21? Yeah. yeah maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you do, like, before, where, how far away is... Um, um, well, then I... Okay, then... Swingers. The I remember biggest you things, swingers, Then it was, yeah. like, years later that I was in Swingers. And then I was in Boogie Nights. And but then, yeah, but you did that Two Girls and a Guy. Oh, with, yeah, I did that. That was actually after Boogie Nights. Um, oh, was it came yeah. out? Yeah, I worked with a lot of sexual the... harassers. Well, no, I know. Well, that's right. Toback was. I managed like... to hit a lot of those people on that list. Um, yeah, Toback directed Two Girls and a Guy, which was actually he did not sexually harass me, even though I could see that he, I'm sure, did sexually harass a lot of people. But um, yeah, but he that... was one of those guys. He was like not just a harasser. No, he, he was, was just predator. like a gambler. He was, like... he was a predator. No, he was, he was like... like he would like. Okay, our whole shoot. Maybe yeah. we only had like two weeks. We shot that whole movie in like two weeks or two and a half weeks. He would go away at lunch and he would come back late. Like that's no one. Would ever do that in a movie that only had two and a half weeks yeah and we'd be like where is he and they'd be like i think he's gambling or right. i don't know or maybe he was trying to have sex with someone yeah. but like he would be like an hour late we're sitting there with like robert downey jr we're like where did the director go how was downey know. at that point he had just come out of his like drug phase so he was getting drug tested every day he had somebody with had he him done who jail was, like, no he wasn't his... jail yet that came later i think i'm not sure all i know I is that he was like on a drug again. watch oh yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah so so that was odd mm-hmm. that was show business yeah. so like outside of toback like before that who he worked with Gus a few times. He worked with some women directors, but yeah. who were the other predators? Oh, there's so many. On well, Israel Horovitz, gross. You, you worked with him? No, but I dated his son when I was 19, 18. Oh, I dated his son around the time of Drugstore Cowboy. Was his name Mike? Uh, Adam Horowitz. Adam from the Beastie Boys. Yes. yes. And he basically, um, after I dated Adam and we broke up, I auditioned for one of his plays. And um, after the audition, I was riding down in the elevator. He's like, let me walk you out. Oh. And so he gets in the elevator and then he just pushes me against the elevator, sticks his tongue down my throat. I feel like he might have said something about like, what are we going to do about us? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was just like, what What are you talking about? <laughs> and then I just got out of the elevator and I just never talked to him again. And then I heard him saying later, like, Heather's so ungrateful. I don't oh, know. Oh, really? She, yeah. I don't know. Because I think he helped me 
when I was with Adam, like he recommended me to this acting class in New York that I went to. With, like, so was and, this before like Boogie Nights and this everything? Way, way before. before. It oh. was like after Drugstore Cowboy. Yeah. But then a lot of women recently came out about a that. A lot. A lot. And then about Horowitz. The thing that was really disturbing was that like a lot of women came out in the 90s yeah. and, and, and they weren't taken seriously. And they were like, oh, these women are high strung or, you know, and they didn't do anything about it. And so 20 years later, more women came out or some of the same women came out again plus more women, and they finally took it seriously. Yeah, and they had this... a whole thing on NPR I was listening to about why um, are people taking this seriously now when they didn't before. Because the, the, the jig is up. The jig's up. It's so good. As a woman, we're just like reading this news. We're like, yes, this is water in a desert. Like, yeah. it's so fun to read these stories. And you also had the, a Weinstein encounter. Yes, that you think I did. Was, do you look back at it thinking that it was career shifting? For you? I mean, what happened exactly? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean... He's just one person. I, I don't know any stories like one that. One very powerful Yeah, person. one very powerful. I mean, basically, um, yeah, I went into his office and he was like, had these scripts on a table and he was like, we, I want to work with you. You're just, you're pretty and you're funny and that's a rare combination. So choose one of these scripts, any script, and we'll just do it together. Uh-huh. And I was like, holy shit, you know? And then he was like, you know, my wife and I have an arrangement. When I'm out of town, I can just have sex with whoever I want. And then he uh-huh. hugs me, right? Yeah. And um, reading all these stories afterwards, like recently, I'm like, I'm so glad I got out of that office quickly. Right. Like, And I was like, great. <laughs> I just pretended like I don't know how to deal with this. And yeah. so I just left. And then I thought, is there any way to turn this back into like a working situation? Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, I kind of sure. knew what he was inferring. But I thought, well, I went to his office. Is there? Yeah. So I asked some people and they said, just don't be alone with him. So I found this other friend. So that this was when in your career? Like, what this was year? like 2000 and like... I'm just going to say um, approximately 2003. So I had already been like... And people already knew. They're I was like, in my Don't. 30s. Like right. I wasn't like 19. You've been around. You know, yeah. yeah. And, you know, he, I think he's he does obviously do this to a lot of young women, but I think he's doing this to a lot of women in general. Right. It's not... And, all, and people knew enough to... The women knew enough to tell you, don't don't be alone with him. Someone like, said... So, and you know what? I had actually heard the Rose McGowan story, but I never heard that he raped her. I only heard that he attacked her and that she... I From the story that I heard, he attacked her, she hit him and ran out. Yeah. But I didn't know that, that he had what, actually raped anyone. But that was go- that was what was going around then. That was what was going around then. So I just thought. So so then what happened was I thought okay. I'm so gonna, in the story you heard yeah. back then, she she got away. She the story wins. I heard. I had heard stories that like he invites women to his hotel room. He has this, his robe half open and he says like oh come in and and then it's awkward and that I heard that with Rose McGowan it was just a bigger story that I I basically just heard he attacked her and she ran out. Right. I didn't hear that. Oh, he actually, you know, had raped because her. There, yeah, because there's this, uh, the, the, like, it's almost like you said about, like, uh, you know, I'm not trying to trivialize anything, but with Corey Haim and, 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 uh, Corey Feldman is that, you know, these stories were around, but then now there's sort of people saying that everyone's complicit because no one was doing anything, but the story you hear is not always what happened. I guess and, it was the story wasn't the full story, right? Because right? yeah. I think most people didn't know that he was actually raping people. Right. I think people thought that he was a horrible sexual harasser. But as a woman, and th- they had this on the NPR special I was listening to, you look at other people who come forward with stories of sexual harassment and see how they're treated before you decide if you're going to come forward, right? Uh-huh. So, like, you look at Anita Hill, like, what happened to her? You know? Right. Like, she was, like, they tried to humiliate her. They tried to make her seem crazy. Like, can you name a story of a woman who came forward with a sexual harassment story where she was treated respectfully and fairly? Right. Before before that time before now can you uh, i i don't i can't really i know so it's like as a woman when this happens to you you're like i could you know i mean he didn't attack me physically like he just basically insinuated i need to have sex with him for a job like can i get him put in jail for this but there's also at that yeah. time sadly uh, the thing is is like well that's show business 
You know, and like, people would just say, that's Harvey. Oh, that's Harvey. Don't go to his office then. But like Don't the, casting, the casting couch idea yeah. has been around since the beginning of movies, right? So it was instilled that deeply. And the more detailed and grotesque it got as time went on. But it still always always goes back to, you know, women are meat in this business. Well, sometimes, yeah, you get a bit defeatist as a woman. You're like, well, what am I going to do about this? Right. Like, can I fight the whole system? Uh, like what? you got to make rules for yourself that you shouldn't have to make. And then you're like, life. well, like, do I? Will I get hired more if I seem like, oh, I'm like this bitchy woman that's complaining? Like, I don't know. You're but like, did you ever once think that like I got to do this to get in? It seemed like you were already going. I didn't because I just, from my point of view, this is how my mind works. I think any guy that is doing that's probably not going to fulfill. I mean, like if I, I'm like if Harvey Weinstein saying have sex with me and I'll give you a job. What if he doesn't? Then I had sex with him and he didn't give me. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like I don't believe him. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe he did give people jobs that he had sex with, but I'm just like I'm not the kind of person that can do that because I guess I just don't want it that badly. Uh, I you, just couldn't bring myself to having sex with him. Well, good. There's, there's no shame in that. I wasn't attracted to him. Like he was. Well, it's just odd. It's funny to me. Honestly, there's something scary about him. So I'm not surprised that he was violent because you know how you some people can like hit on you and it's just kind of funny and yeah. it makes you feel flattered. You're like whatever, it's not a big deal. But he had a thing where it just felt like when you were around him. Do you know where you pe- feel like people just like rape your self-esteem yeah there's just, a or menace they pull the rug yeah, out yeah, from yeah, under yeah. you they want to it's like they're on a power trip and they'd like to make you feel bad about yourself in order that they feel better that's just how it felt around him even without being like physically he just attacked. exudes a sort of boundaryless uh uh, uh, uh he's a taker well, i think abuser. he reels you in with charisma like yeah, oh he's yeah. making all these cool movies yeah, and yeah. he's this sensitive guy and he's yeah. making very sensitive movies but then when you really talk to him he's basically like i'm in power you're not and yeah. i want you to feel this 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 fact that you're totally like lesser than me. Yeah, I have you know? control of your have life. Have you ever been around him and felt that? No, I've never been around oh, him. Okay. But I, I mean, I certainly, you know, I, I know those kind of people. It's I like think. they get off on like, it's just yeah. sadistic, basically. Well, yeah, they, yeah. It, it's sadistic, but it's also like he believes that, you know, the, he's entitled. Right. You know, it's like, like he like had right power. Now privilege. I right. don't know. Maybe, I don't know if he. But he had real power in this industry. So much power. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, it, it's, you know, uh, it's just all this human beings, you know, abuse of power and getting off on having power. Hour. I know. It's so good to see them go down, too. You're like, <laughs> finally, there's some sense of justice in the world. And like, it's good to see that some men think that's bad, too, because it's like, it, it makes me feel better as a woman that some guys are like, that sucks, you know? Yeah, you, I mean, women should be able to you know move through the world without being confronted by dicks all the time. They should be able to <laughs> go to work and, yeah. and not have to uh, you know deal with dicks all day. Yeah, that's for sure. It's a yeah. reckoning. Yeah, it's a reckoning. Cultural and, reckoning. And you, yeah. in, in, in your movie, you, mm-hmm. your character. Like, ironically, like, I wrote, I was working, I started working this like yeah. six or seven years ago, and now we just happen to be coming out right after all this stuff happened. You made it before. I made it before. Obviously, stuff is happening, right? right. But I just was like, okay, my protest is not going to be to go to the police and say I was sexually harassed or go to the press at that time. It's like, I'm going to write a movie and, and, and hopefully deal with this horrible sexism with comedy and sexual harassment yeah mm-hmm. yeah but like it's funny because it's not as like you could it could have even been more pointed had you made it like today i know that's the thing i just thought i don't know if, will people be pal will this be palatable because i really thought i want to make a female empowerment movie like i hope it empowers men too but i specifically thought like i want to empower women and, but i don't want to be this like angry feminist where people are like ugh, 
I don't want to listen to this. Because in the past, when people came forward with sexual harassment stories, people would just be like, ugh. So at the time you, know? you made it, you were tempering yourself. I was tempering myself and making it just a little more like, well, let's go for the comedy here and not make it as dark. Because also, I just thought it's so depressing. <laughs> and I just didn't want to depress myself too much about Well, yeah, because it's it interesting because, uh, you know, the, the, the way you guys talk to each other in the movie about, mm. you know, where you're at with... Also, I cast Chris D'Elia as the harasser. So it's not like this gross Harvey Weinstein person. It's like kind of this cute character. Charismatic Clown. guy. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like charming and he's not like, you know. Yeah, no, no. I think he yeah. did a good job. I thought, yeah. I thought he was funny yeah. and I thought uh, everyone was funny. Mm -hmm. I thought, what's her name from The Office? Angela. She's great. She's hilarious. She acted the shit out of some of those She's, scenes. Uh, man. She blew my head off. I mean, she definitely, like the scene where she phone calls her ex-husband and hilarious. he comes over. Like she mixed comedy and drama in that scene in a way that kind of blew my mind. Also, yeah. Thomas Lennon's pretty amazing. He's funny. He's but great. But Angela is just, she's pretty awesome. Well, I was surprised. Like she mm. went pretty deep in like, you know, fairly, you know, you know, those scenes with the yeah. new guy. Yeah. The ponytail guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Jason they were Lewis, really, they were yeah. really going for it. They really were. And, you know, Angela <laughs> you know? hasn't really played those kind of roles I know, before. It was so she amazing. was nervous. She's like, oh my God, I've never done like a sex scene. I think she was in the back room drinking tequila. Oh, really? <laughs> she was nervous because, you know, she's very conservative and she's very like, she's not like so, but she was, I don't know, she really did a great job. Yeah, she definitely went for it. She and, went for it. And those, and, and it was funny though because like the, the, all the characters had these, you know, self-esteem issues. I know. And that was sort of the, 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 yeah. the dialogue, you know, yeah. which is like, you know, you know, now it seems like the dialogue is fuck you. You know, yeah. we, you know, we're, we're powerful. Yeah. But I think that the honesty of those, like all of you having these, you, you know, fun, well, usually fun, fuck you is covering a self-esteem issue. No, absolutely. Like, <laughs> but like it was all in relation yeah. to men, a lot yeah. of it. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, and it was sort of, and it's interesting that, you know, you got Johnny Knoxville playing this preacher. You know, who shows up later. I don't want to spoil yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but you come from religion? I do. Yeah. My family's very religious, Catholic. And basically the scene in the beginning where the dad and the daughter are sitting watching a TV show. For me, it was the love boat, but we couldn't afford the rights to that. Right. But I used to watch the love boat with my dad and he'd be like, the, see those people going in that hotel room? They're having premarital sex and you yeah. can go to hell for that. I remember just thinking as a kid, like, this is so scary. Like, I don't even know what he's talking about. Yeah, I'm like, going I'm to so hell. freaked out. Yeah. And it, did it, did it stay yeah. with you? Like, yes. It, I mean, that's why you I went to church in, every Sunday. I went, oh yeah. Until I moved out of the house with my parents, I went to church every Sunday, every holy day. I did con confirmation, confession. And in fact, my Catholic? dad used to say to me, Catholic, he used to say, like, we should have sent you to the convent. <laughs> really? Well, that's, I, that's something that yeah. I think Catholic well, fathers have said for generations. We should have sent you to Catholic school. He's right. like, we should have sent you to Catholic Get school. Get thee to a nunnery. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you, I mean, Catholic school happens. You got, you, I, I guess you got lucky. You got out. You didn't oh, do it. I was, I was watching that movie Novitiate and there's a scene where like, it's all about beating up on yourself, right? Yeah. I'm like, cause I do that to myself now sometimes. I'm like, well, this is where I got it. And they give From these church. girls a whip. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, if you are, haven't been a good Catholic, hit yourself with this whip. And I thought, oh, I feel like that I was kind of brought up to be like that. It's like, oh, if you've been bad. Beat yourself up a lot mentally. and try to be better. Yeah, mentally. Yeah, I didn't use an actual whip, but mentally. So that really. Yeah. So you really were. Uh, you were. You were. You were in it mentally. Hell existed. Well, I feel like Heaven why? Was yeah. Possible. Why does religion bring us up to have like fear and shame around our sexuality? When ultimately, if God created us, isn't our sexuality part of that? And shouldn't we embrace that as like a beautiful part of ourselves? So yeah. it seems like a. 
opposite doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, and you cover yeah. that in the movie. Yeah. Well, no, I thought I like thought that was my personal journey. So I just put it in a movie because I thought I don't see anyone telling this specific story. And I felt like to me, I went through it in my life. And I thought when I was younger, I felt like, all right. And I think this is common with women, though. I'm sure not all women, but I felt like I liked sex, but I didn't love it. I'm yeah. just like, oh, like, let me just do what I think the guy wants. But I didn't really fully know what I liked because I was just like, I don't really get it and I'll just try to please the guy. Yeah. So then I think I reached a point where I was with someone and I'm like, oh my God, I finally get why people like sex. Right. Do you know what I mean? And then I thought like what you said, oh, this must be love. I have to be with him for the rest of my life because now I've realized that my sexuality is spiritual and beautiful and so I'm in love and it's this guy that's making me feel this way instead of just being like, oh, I just had this epiphany. Yeah, well, yeah, you or know? also like that's what it's supposed and to be like. I think women, as, they, as we get older, can yeah. enjoy sex more. I mean, like I'm saying, it's not all women, but I know for myself and other a lot of other people I know, you kind of get more into your body you know uh-huh. and learn how to enjoy it more well yeah well i think there there you know the there's a part of that movie where somehow or another you managed to do a fairly extensive masturbating scene <laughs> that was you know as a viewer just completely i felt like i was interrupting i felt like i was like you know maybe i should let her be alone like you know like there's it was so non-sexual to the viewer but it was kind of funny. <laughs> That's the thing. Well, yeah, I was kind of going for humor because right. I'm like, okay, it's not a porno. So right. I guess I was going for humor. Like she's kind of having a little trouble. Right. No, right. Yeah. And then in the second scene, I wanted it to have more of like a spiritual, like so that she finds herself. You right. Know, through, right. Like, oh, you can give yourself a sexual yeah. orgasm. Yeah. I don't and then, know, you, you then know? the stars go. Yeah. Right. You're right. You figured it out. But it was just sort of funny. It was so kind of like <laughs> passive. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I guess I'll put the headphones on. You know, it was definitely. Well, you know, it's like, okay, when you break up with someone and you just had really good sex, yeah. you're like, okay, well, I guess I should masturbate. And mm-hmm. you're like, it's just not the same. And you're just trying to find that sexuality inside yourself without another person. Yeah, you can find it. You can, but it's, it takes a while. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. harder. Well, you well I'm know. glad that you put that out there to help people. <laughs> like, you know, just take your time, find yeah. the right music. <laughs> And you went manual. You didn't go no machines. I know. Actually, some people offered us money, like these different like dildo companies. We're like, if you use our dildo, we'll give you fifty thousand dollars for your oh, budget. Oh wow! And, and I'm like, I don't know if that's what I'm trying to say with the movie because I'm yeah. trying to. I don't know. I'm not trying, trying to sell a product at that moment. But we yeah. were offered money to use sex toys at that moment. Oh yeah. Well, and, but you know, I think you, you made the right choice. Yeah. And all right, so let's like going back to you know the because there is a lot of spirituality and a lot of in the movie. And a lot of sort of coming, uh, coming into people's selves, mm-hmm. you know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but how are you doing y- yourself? Are you, you all right mentally <laughs> these days? I mean, um, I think it's like, uh, you still beat up on yourself? I do. Yeah. It's sort of like a, like a, a journey where I keep getting better and better at it, but yeah. it still exists. So I'm just like a much, much better at it, but I still have, you know, things I struggle with for sure. Really? Yeah. Like what? Okay, well, like, let's say, you know, I feel like a lot of us can relate to this, but you grow up and maybe your parents don't really know how to unconditionally love themselves, so they don't teach you how to unconditionally love right. yourself. Right. So you have to be a loving parent to your own inner child. I know this is getting into sort of like a weird psychological inner yeah, child yeah. area, but you have to be able to speak nicely to yourself, like as this like unconditionally loving parent, like great job, great, I'm there for you. You know, like I'm doing that for myself. And I know that sounds incredibly dorky, but it actually is kind of great. 
No, I, I, I completely know what that's like. I, I think that's true, that you have to learn how to self-parent uh, after a certain point. Yeah. Or else you're, you're like, be... okay, my parents tried their best. They definitely did some good things. Some things were not as good. So I have to correct that inside myself. Because yeah. you internalize some of the bad patterns or something. And so then you're like, okay, how can I be more loving in this moment? And I guess I was always brought up, maybe through religion and being a woman, to think I need to take care of other people first and not myself. And then I learned as an adult, it's actually the opposite is true. If you take care of yourself first and you're really loving, then you have so much more to give. Right. And actually, someone had this really great thing they said the other day. They said, it's like an African proverb. They're like, beware the naked man who gives you a shirt. Yeah. So how can you give somebody love if you don't love yourself? You know, right, right. which I tried to get into in the movie as well. Like, you know, because I felt like I was taught like, oh, you can't do things for yourself. You have to do things for other people. But if you really love yourself a lot and do things for yourself, then you just have so much more to give and you're just a more loving person and you're not coming out of like a resentful state of like a naked person giving someone a shirt. Yeah. And it's hard to stay in that sort of like what we were talking about earlier with spirituality or with comedy or staying out of the dread or the hopelessness or the self judgment mm -hmm. or feeling like you're not enough or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, but that whole idea of the parents, like, yeah, the, if you don't deal with that shit, your expectation to be parented will never go away, mm -hmm. right? Even, yeah, you're sad. You're just like, oh, well, why wasn't I in these yeah, moments unconditionally better? loved the way I wanted to be? You're like, okay, now it's up to me to do that for myself. And that feels so gross because you're like, I want to fill this hole inside myself with either the perfect relationship or the job or the yeah. money or having kids. I don't know, whatever yeah. it is for you. Right. But um, but it really, you have to do it for yourself through right. like some kind of spirituality or Fucking just deciding work, right? that you love and accept yourself with all your flaws and imperfections. Yeah. And so hard extra work it's so hard do you yeah. do that I, I i do like to a degree i'm i'm aware of everything you're mm -hmm, saying and mm -hmm. i've read some books about it mm -hmm. and i you know i'm on top of it mm -hmm. but you know to actually do it is like hard well i give yeah. my the only way i can do it really is give myself breaks yeah that's good self-care yeah, yeah or just like don't beat yourself up about that yeah you know, yeah. what good, it, what it, you did it. Yeah. You know, even, you know, and sometimes it's as stupid as yeah. a candy bar. So like, yeah. you know, you can fucking you can have one candy bar. That's fine. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, if you're not like eating eight candy bars, no, one, I know, you gotta but, allow but, yourself. But you know, like yeah. you have to really decide, you know, what you, you know, what are you doing? You yeah. know, is it really worth, you know, yeah. you know, beating yourself up for a day yeah it's not over you, you this know. is what i do because i beat up on myself a lot and i just go i pray because i don't i just go okay whatever universe higher power or whatever god like please take this away you do that yeah is that from it's so the, hard do you uh yeah. do you still have belief in god um i mean i don't believe in like catholic though i mean there's really like nice catholic people out there who are yeah, doing sure, great stuff sure, but yeah. personally for me it doesn't really work i yeah. just believe in like spirituality right yeah there's also, something i just feel like it's so dumb like why are all these religions like hating each other like we're all just trying to find spirituality and the same thing and like yet we decide like if you're this religion you're going to hell like in the catholic religion if you're not a catholic you're going to hell yeah that is so sad yeah especially for me because like, i'm going <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i'm like why but every religion is kind of snobby like jewish people are just like oh if the mother's not jewish then your child's not yeah, jewish and you're yeah, not whatever yeah. so it's like every religion has this weird snobbery around their own way of seeing god and it's just like why can't we be more open-minded and be like great you're another religion that's what works for you that's fantastic you're muslim that's fantastic yeah. like whatever connects you to like love yeah, just don't do hurt it. me yeah just, just don't, don't don't kill people yeah in the don't name kill of your obviously religion. killing people's terrible yes and but a, just, a lot of religions have done it they've all done it it's like somebody said more people have been killed in the name of god than in the satan sure. you know it's like sure. everyone's killing each other and being like i'm on god's side right, you know right. but what if we're like all just struggling along trying to find spirituality and like there's really no difference. Trying to find a point. You know, yeah. what, what do we do with this amazing self-awareness?
You know, what do we do with this knowledge of our own death? (laughs) How do we, you know, make it okay? What do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Comedy. Try not to think about it. Yeah. How do we know death is bad? Like, how do you not know that maybe death is great? Well, I'm, look, I, uh, you do know it's, uh, you know, something's over it's and scary. you might not know anything at all. Yeah. You, you know, like, you know, it, that, I think that's really the scarier, the scariest yeah. thing and why people have not been so knowing. elaborate about it is that, yeah. you know, what does life mean? Yeah. And what if you die and there's nothing? Yeah. What so, if you die and actually you're happier than when you were alive? Well, I, I, do you, oh, you think that like you, you're going to die and all of a sudden you'd be like, oh, thank God. No, but I'm just I, saying we don't know. So why assume the worst? Well, what's the worst? Hell is the worst. Hell is the worst. Yeah. Nothing's not so I, bad. Yeah. Nothing's just, not that if bad. If consciousness ends. Yeah. You know, you it's because like you know like sometimes yeah. when I think about death, I'm like, well, who's gonna do what is gonna happen with all these books? And it's sort of oh like, oh my god, yeah, you have a lot of cool books. But like, no one who cares. I'm not gonna know. Yeah. Death is the most okay. vulnerable place yeah. in the world to be because yeah. you can't defend yourself anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I know. I think men are more worried about death than women. Are they? Yeah. Maybe because you have more feelings of control. You're more. I don't know. As a woman, I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna die. I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm, I'm kind of there. I just don't. Yeah. I don't. I, I want. It it's to be, more scary to not live life and to be miserable in life and let life go by and not appreciate it and not be grateful. Try to make it I'm more go. worried about that because sometimes I feel like I have a good life, but then I can beat the shit out of myself and think it's terrible. When in reality, I have like a fantastic life. I think that's more tragic. Well, yeah. Not to just enjoy the day. Yeah. I, I get I get a little of that too. Yeah. So wait, let's talk. We didn't talk about Boogie Nights because okay. uh, you were so good in that that like whenever I see that actor that played <laughs> that guy that you you beat the shit out. Oh, of, Oh yeah. I'm I'm like wow, his face healed up good. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That was fun actually. That was so fun. Well, I mean, in terms of like, you, introduced, you interviewed Paul, right? I got to listen to that one. I did a while yeah, back. Yeah, cool. yeah, it was good because he doesn't mm. do much of that. Mm. He doesn't like. I was so. He I, doesn't do a lot of interviews, right? Yeah. And we did a long time for him, and I did. I did it a very specific mm-hmm. way because I. Had, I had assumed from his work and from not knowing anything about him that he was some sort of dark, brooding genius. Mm-hmm. But he's just this goofy kid from the valley, you know. And I'm like, that all comes out of you, <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Funny. <laughs> Isn't <laughs> That's he? funny. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So with, with Boogie Nights, like how old were you when you did that? Like 21, 20? Mm, I was like 26. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you knew what was up. I mean, that was just my big break, I think, that just helped me have a more, have a career where people knew my name. But no, but in terms of porn and living in that world oh, yeah. and being around that, yeah. I mean, you know. Well, like th- at the time, no one had really made a movie about porn. Right. So it was sort of like, oh, is this going to be super exploitational uh-huh. or is this cool? I mean, I thought his writing was amazing. And for me, it was a massive break at that time. But a lot of people were like, oh, you're making a movie about porn. Like, I actually remember Adam Carolla being like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, yeah. it's so funny because I recently saw him. He's like, I'm so sorry I harassed you about Boogie Nights when that turned out to be such a good movie. He apologized recently? No, it was maybe like 10 years ago. But after the fact, he was like, I remember I was like, you know, really giving you a hard time about making like an, a totally exploited porno movie when it turned out to be like a good movie. Oh, it's interesting that he yeah. made an amends that yeah. makes me uh, like Adam. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm doing another interview with him like in a week or two. All right. Well, good luck getting a word in. <laughs> well, Crystal Lee is going to be there, so I'll just let him make jokes. Uh, I want to. You both, you're, you're doing that together? I think we're doing it together. I was like, oh, I want Chris to be there because he'll just be really funny and I can just sit there. I yeah. just show up. No, it'll be good. It'll be good. And you'll have <laughs> yeah. fun with Chris. Yeah. I see Chris all the time. I know because you guys do a lot of like um, the comedy store. Right? Yeah, I see him at the comedy store all the time. Bring yeah, him up. You it's know, so fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he... I just love stand up comedy. I, I got really into watching stand up comedy recently. I just love watching it it's because so fun. of uh, because of working with Chris. I think just because I don't know. I 
really? Because I just think I couldn't do it. So I just love like? watching. Who do you like? Who you digging? Who do you like watching? Do you go live? Well, you... okay. Over the weekend, I was watching um, Two Dope Queens. Oh, have you been cute. watching they're, them? Uh, no, I haven't. But I did their show. They're cool. Like yeah. they're they have mostly women and people of color yeah. and LGBT people. And I don't know. They were fun. But I love so many people. Like. Yeah, do you watch Ali Wong? Have you watched? Yeah, she's her awesome. I saw her special where she's pregnant. Yeah, I don't know Hannibal great. Burris. Hannibal's good. Chris, yeah. I know yeah. Whitney Cummings a little bit. Whitney, she's yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, I just admire. I admire comedians a lot. Yeah. I'm like, how do they get up on stage and talk about this stuff? It's so personal and turn it into its humor. Do you want to try it? I want to learn from them <laughs> on like how to do it in my life. That's uh-huh. what I like. How do I take how things that bother me? Life? No, oh. just how do I find the humor in like terrible things or embarrassing things or myself? You know, I think it's really cool and brave. Mm. And what, like, I watched a, Crashing, like Pete Holmes. He's sure, funny. yeah, yeah. On yeah. a day to day basis, so what are you really dealing with that you know that that would make you need to do that, like you know to to actually have it pressing, sort of like how do I stop this from happening? What do you mean, like 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 yeah, the thoughts, oh, like, the thoughts. Yeah. Oh yeah, any day. Like actually, somebody said something the other day. I thought it was so poetic. He goes, "I wake up every day with a storm in my brain." Yeah, and I thought I can relate to that. Like sometimes I wake up with a storm in my brain. I'm like, how do I get these? For me, the worst time is the morning. Like I'm uh-huh. kind of depressed in the morning. Then the rest of the day, I can get in like a better mood. But yeah, but I've been getting bad. into writing, so I write writing some more stuff, and I try to like sometimes put stuff in my writing. Yeah, and, and try to like exercise it, like. Do you just do general writing or, you know, you just Well, I wrote two new things. One is called Chosen Family and it's about like a woman that grows- A full script? It's a full script. Yeah. It's like about a woman who has a dysfunctional family and how, it's sort of about how, you know, when you, your family does things that bother you and then somehow you end up in that same dynamic with relationships, Mm -hmm. but you're like, I'm trying to avoid this. How does this kind of like follow me around, you know? Well, that's sort of along the same lines of the self-parenting thing. Yes, it's yes. A, it's the same area. Because if you can self-parent yourself and hopefully you attract like a healthier dynamic, but like say, okay, your family is really controlling and then you end up with a controlling boyfriend. You're like, why am I repeating this? Is that happening to you? Yes. Hmm. <laughs> Have you ever done that? I, 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 I don't, I don't, I'm not attracted to control. I I'm, get a little chaos. I've had some- You like I, chaos and drama. I, yeah, that seems to be it. My okay. dad was very explosive and my mom was kind of, uh, I don't know what she is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but I, I, I do, I, see, I yeah. could ask you a lot of questions about this right now. Yeah. Yeah. Why you just get done with something or are you in something? No, no. I'm just interested in like your parental dynamic. Oh, so, my like, dad was dad very was explosive and uh, erratic mom? and okay. a, a bit bipolar. My okay. mom was like, he had uh, eating disorders and okay. was, uh, you know, always a little wittier, but I, 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 as time goes on. So that's where you got your humor? I think so. But I always let, I always let her off the hook for some reason, mm-hmm. but I think she's fully on the hook. She's gotten a lot. We she, women are crazy. It's like, okay, it's hard to be a woman and you're looking at these ads and you're, I don't know a single woman that is not somewhat neurotic about something about her appearance, but you know, you have to let it go, obviously. Well, you deal you with can't. that in the movie too. And I think yeah. that that's part of this, this reckoning is, you know, acceptance. Why are of we putting bodies, this like, yeah. Yeah. And, and trying to, you know, do that more. Putting this pressure on ourselves to be this weird ideal of like a 16 year old model. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, we have to unplug ourselves from the culture and say, I think I look good. I look great. And I'm going to feel great about myself. And I'm not going to listen to whatever. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. How, how do you see this new phase in your career? I mean, do you feel when you look back at your career? Because, I mean, you've done a lot of stuff. You've been in a lot of big movies. You've had a lot of shots. Um, yeah, I've been lucky to and, work. Yeah, sure. you work a mm-hmm, lot. Mm-hmm. Now, what made you all of a sudden sort of like write, direct? Like, was there a moment where you're like, uh, you know, I'm, 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 uh, 
you know, I got to take care of myself in another way. Well, I think, okay, on one level, like as an actress, you're like, I really hope like a guy hires me for the part of my lifetime that will help me express my creative potential. But you're like, maybe he's not going to, so I better hire myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, maybe a man doesn't want to tell the same story that I want to tell. And then I guess you just think, I want to tell a story about something that means something to me mm-hmm. and share this sort of journey I went on that I think is interesting, whether or not it's, you know, I just want to, um, like what you were saying, I was listening to one of your things where you said you just have to get up every day, work on your craft, do the best you can. It's like sometimes it's just fun making things. Yeah. And it's more fun making something that's like says something you want to say. Yeah, as and opposed, that you have control over. And then, it's fun. Even yeah. though it's much more scary and stressful. It's also like, okay, I want women and men. I hope men can feel good in watching the movie too, but I want them to leave and be like, fucking hot and i can have whatever i want and i feel great about myself and i love my girlfriends and i love life and like my dreams can come true i don't know i want i feel like i watch a lot of depressing movies i feel like women's roles in movies can a lot of times we're like the supporting character that like someone's trying to kill us someone's stabbing us some guy's trying to save us it's just like we're not that empowered in most movies and i'm just sick of watching those movies i want to watch a movie with like a heroine i can relate to that is empowered that I can feel happy about. Yeah. 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 And so like when now this is your first directing first yeah, time. First time. And first time writing. First time writing. So who did you did you did you lean on people? Did you Yeah, I have this friend his name's Michael Nichols. He's a huge fan of your podcast actually. He was <laughs> like you got to get on that podcast. Yeah. It's the best one. And yeah. so my friend Michael Nichols and Julia, his wife, they um I wrote okay, I was going through a breakup. So I started I kind of started How writing long were the you script. you with the guy? I was with them for like a year, mm. but I'd, I'd started writing a script based on this group of friends I was hanging around with. And then, um, and then I went through this breakup and I was feeling sad. So I'm like, how can I write about the stuff that makes me sad? I'm just trying to make myself laugh and perspective. So I was doing that. I just kind of wrote it to crack myself up and I gave it to him and he was just very encouraging. And he was just like, you should keep writing. And then he was like, you know, you should direct this. Cause I was like, maybe I'll get a director. Cause I had worked developing projects for 10 years before trying to make movies about women. I tried to make the triangle factory fire story. I tried to make this like romantic sex comedy about this woman who's insecure that no guy will as ever have sex with her as a producer and actress. And people kept saying to me like, nobody cares about women's stories if you want to get a movie made right about a man and I was just like what and and it was so frustrating you know and then I think I wrote this about my frustrations with relationships my frustrations with Hollywood trying to make movies about women when people were just telling me that nobody cared and they were just like unless you're one of three women like you're not gonna like there's the three biggest movie stars and they get to do that but other than that all the rest of the women it's like you can be the supporting role if you can get you know a big movie star to play his wife or something you know right yeah so you just took it into your own hands so I was just like I'm just gonna write this down about my frustrations and I'm like well, maybe I could make this for not a huge budget. And then we found this financiers. My friend Michael, who loves your podcast, found these financiers. And then they basically ended up not having the money. So we had to completely fold after we had hired the whole crew and cast the whole movie. Oh. Completely fold. And then we found another financier. His name is Bill Scheinberg. And he's amazing. And... um He's a uh, part of this Hollywood family, like Sid Scheinberg and Lorraine Scheinberg, and yeah, yeah. Um, and he just really supported us. And so then, luckily and weirdly, this movie's coming out right now when people care about women's issues. Where maybe if we happened the year earlier, we uh-huh. would have come out at a time where maybe nobody would be as interested in this right, right. subject. Yeah. So. So the timing's good. The timing's good. And now. When you do like, cause it is it is a comedy, and comedy's mm-hmm. not easy. Mm-hmm. And you know, did you show the script to funny people? Yeah, I did. Like I did. Who? I got help. Well, Molly has a friend, um, Steve Corn. 
uh-huh. don't know if you know him. He's know. he wa- he read it and he gave me some things. Molly who? Shannon. Molly Shannon. Uh-huh. She's in it. Yeah. And um she you know, and then I just I let a lot of the actors improv. I just say, look, if you come up with something, just try it out. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. if it doesn't work, I'll tell you not <laughs> yeah. to do it. So I mean then you have like Thomas Lennon and you're like he's like, I love you somewhat. <laughs> it's like I care about you deeply without loving you. He comes up with these lines, and you're like, I care about you deeply without. Lo-. You know when someone is like yeah. giving you this half-hearted love, yeah. and you're like, this is so hilarious. Like yeah. he came up with so many funny yeah. things. Yeah, he was good. He's just like you look horrible. Well, let, let me ask you about like because I'm dating a painter, and you know mm-hmm. we notice that uh, that there's a lot of artists. Mm-hmm. And they're, you're, they're the conception of them was, mm-hmm. you know, not great. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, okay, there was a guy like that character, but he actually was not an artist. So I took a boyfriend I had who was an artist and combined him with this other boyfriend the, the light who artist? did a lot of drugs. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. the light artist. Um, so it, I'm not trying to like dis artists, but I'm just saying he had like a free spirited lifestyle that wasn't like a nine to five guy. Sure, sure. And yeah. what about Thomas London's character? That Was that based on Oh, that's on right. Because um, he's like out of nowhere. You're like, oh, he's a big painter. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I have a bunch of friends yeah. and different, you know, a lot of stuff is either taken from like friends or like, or me. I, I combined a lot of people, you know, like me or different experiences uh-huh. friends have had. Yeah. Friends, yeah, yeah. boyfriends, ex-husbands, husbands. You know, I have a lot of, fr- I have, have one been married. I've never been married, no. but I have girlfriends and they obsess on a guy, you know, and when you're watching from a distance, you're like, why are you obsessed on him? Yeah. Like, he didn't really treat you that great. Like, right. you know, somebody, you know, why are you? And so I, I told the story about Angela's character because of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, she's obsessed I thought, with her ex-husband. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that happens. Yeah. 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 I thought they were, you know, your story and her story. You know, I can completely, you know, relate to the other side of those. Yeah. And so I hope uh, men can relate to it, you know. Sure. Yeah. And the uh, and the one that seemed younger. The, yes. That uh, what's her Stephanie name? Stephanie Beatrice. Yeah. That yeah. that relationship seemed like something from when I was younger. That's the thing. I yeah. feel like I've been in that relationship. I have friends where you're just like, I never asked for what I wanted because I was too afraid. <laughs> That's so sad, you know. <laughs> and you're just like, let's just have the unconventional relationship where we don't commit and we're not monogamous because we're doing this new thing. And I have a friend that did that, and then the guy ended up getting married, and she was like, but, but. <laughs> Well, what do you think that is? Like they're not asking for what you want because it'd be threatening or they take it as an insult or is it just, you know, a program in your brain? Because I know that like as the guy on the other side of that at different points in my life, it's very hard for people to hear things like that without thinking like, no, what, I don't do it right. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) I think like, I don't know. I think, okay. I think as women, we're sort of overly programmed like to take care of everyone. So sometimes, and it doesn't really help because you're not sometimes honest with the other person. Like, this is what I want. Yeah. Like really that character wanted to say to him, you know, if you don't want to date me monogamously, let's break up. Do you know? But in reality, she's like, I'll just hang in there hoping. It's like looking at a guy as a project or looking at his potential. Like, maybe I can change him. Like, he's got all this great potential. If I just hang around acting great, he'll just, he'll give me everything I want eventually. But but is that a conscious thought or just in behavior that's ingrained? Do you know what I mean? Like, because it seems like, do people really, you know what? I did it. You know, it's a stupid question. Yeah, you've done it, right? Once, and it kind of fucked me up. It's terrible. The codependency thing? It's codependent. Yeah, Yeah, it's basically codependency. Yeah, but I, I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't think I had that really. And then I, I went know. through a relationship where I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm, I was doing everything I could to make this woman. I mean, a psychologist you know, would say maybe you're like repeating your parental dynamic where your parent was never really there for you. And if you try to get them, you, it's, it's so it's so you want to get that person who's not there for you to be there for you. And you, it just feels like when you were a kid, what you did with your family. So it feels there's something about it that feels delicious. And like, sure. finally, I'll get this love that I never had. Yeah, I wonder if that was it. With I, and that that was part of it, but I, I just well, ultimately it comes down to like I see something in you that 
I believe is there and you're not locking into it. So I'm going to try to control you into exactly. becoming that thing that I have I'm gonna projected tell you how to be. onto and, you. Yeah, exactly. So you can fulfill my fantasy yeah. and expectations. Or, or just not make me nuts and sad. <laughs> I know. Because there's a little bit you can have of that that's in a healthy relationship. That's funny. Where you're just that's, like, that's my fantasy. Just don't make yeah. me nuts and sad. I know. Oh. I know. So what about you in relationships? What? Are you good in them or not really? I'm trying. Yeah. You know, I'm, uh, this one's better because it's not uh, drama filled. You know, I, I went through some, you know, some heartbreak and some insanity, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, after, post heartbreak. And I don't think I've really kind of recovered from it. Mm, that's hard. Like I, I'm a little, cl- a little cynical. Mm-hmm, a, little, mm-hmm. a little closed up. Mm-hmm. You kind of like your character on Glow. Yeah, a little, huh? a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. That, yeah, that was a, that was, that wasn't a big stretch. <laughs> but uh, you, yeah. what about you? Um, I guess I sort. Well, okay, this is what makes me feel good about relationships. Yeah. I just think, what if it's totally out of our control, and that it's not about oh, try to be a good person and have a. It's just like okay, what if I just turn this over? It's out of my control. It'll happen or it won't, and I'm just going to enjoy my life day to day. How's that? Go? Some people say like you re- like being your relationship has its own higher power, so it's kind of like I mean, look, it's hard because normally I go okay, I really you know you want to try so hard to have some love that you want, you know, yeah. but then sometimes it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I, like, yeah, I don't. I'm, yeah. I'm not great with being loved. Not great with it. Yeah, that doesn't feel quite right. Yeah. Yeah, you. Well, I mean, whatever. They would say it's because you don't love yourself. So if you love yourself, what then about you, you, though? I mean, I'm good at like I'm good at it for like a year to two years, and then I'm not as good at it in the past. And what happens? Know. What I turns? No, I think I don't know if it's just a compatibility question where it's like, okay, there are these great people, but maybe we're not totally compatible. Do they get annoying or? Different things. Sometimes them. it's me. Sometimes it's them. Uh, Some guys don't want to date an actress who's uh-huh. like doing sex scenes in movies. They're just like, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or <laughs> I don't know. It's just you think you can get along that's with a, a person a, of a certain that's personality. That's a deal breaker, huh? I mean, some guys just cannot deal with that. They're just like not excited Even if it's just kissing? Even if it's just, I don't know. They're just, and you usually, you do a lot of sex scenes. You have. I have in the past. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, well, that's like what a lot of actresses have to do. You right. know, it's not like, or whatever. It's. And now you did it to yourself. I did it to myself. I did it to myself. I guess because I'm just, I'm interested in sexuality. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It is, right? It is. So I just did it from a female point of view. That's yeah. you? Oh, no, I think that's you. Really? Oh. Okay. Sorry. It's my. It's a guy who wants to give me guitar lessons. Oh wow! So do you right. play the guitar? I do. Oh. I do. But I'm, I'm sort of. Are you good? I'm good. Yeah. But like I'm stuck. Okay. Because like, well, you're to... on the thing right there with the guitar. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I play Excuse guitar. Me. I'm pretty okay. good. Mm. But like, I, I just don't want to do. I want to next level it. Okay. I want to learn some things. Okay. Cool. And maybe I will. That's I, awesome. Yeah, I feel like such a dork at 54. I'm like, I'm gonna take guitar lessons. I feel like do it. I mean, gonna... why should we stop ourselves from having fun? Just because it was like, okay, once you reach a certain age, you but, cannot do anything fun no, anymore. No, but my, but in my brain, it's sort yeah. of like for what? Like, am I going to start a band for fun? You know, like, yeah, okay. Honestly, right. if you started a band, people would probably listen and go see it. Yeah, but then you're that guy. You're the guy like, oh, he's a comedian. I guess he's doing a band thing. No, that's what we need. Another fifty-five-year-old dude with a band. <laughs> that's funny. All right, I'll talk to you later. Nice talking to you. Yeah, this is fun. Okay, go see the movie. Watch it somewhere. It seems like you can watch it in your home. Half Magic, uh, written, directed, and stars Heather Graham. That was pleasant. It was nice to get to know her a little bit. Um, what What can I tell you? I hooked up. I'm, I'm about to clean out my pedals. Uh, I'm about to move them with everything else, so I hooked up a pedal or two here, and I'll play some guitar 
in the way the pedals make it. Anyways, these pedals make it. You know what I'm saying? All right. Thank um. you. 